indeed, we praise him for the victory that he has uh, demonstrated and brought on our side. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Amen. Are you victorious this morning? Amen. I believe you are. I believe you are. Uh, this week has uh, been a very unique uh, week for me and for my family for the reason uh, most known for everyone because my family joined me uh, this Tuesday and now I'm living a new life. <laughs> Praise God. It's amazing. <clears throat> All the things I thought would never happen, now have, have happened. And so I'm wondering, so what, what next? <laughs> um, it's just to worship the Lord with a glad heart, um, and just to believe that we have a God who cares for us. He hears our prayers. Um, it's been also a unique uh, week because the fellowship of the church, this church, has been very close to me, offering food. And I have 10 good days to enjoy a dinner <laughs> with my family. Uh, so thank you so very much. I will wish you guys, when you drip, drop food, you stayed around for one or, I mean, maybe 30 seconds. I mean, <clears throat> <laughs> I, meant, I meant 30 minutes. So, so that we can enjoy that food. It's been also a wonderful uh, week because in divine way, God planned that I would be the person who would be speaking today and preaching his word. So it's been really a complete day, because, I mean week, because while I'm enjoying the food, uh, the physical food, I also had an opportunity to or the privilege to digest on God's word. So I had a complete diet, praise the Lord. And so I just want to share from the word of God. And I want to um, speak largely on Luke chapter 24, 13 to 25, the journey to Emmaus. And I want to begin by <clears throat> asking this question. What do you do? What do you do with someone who keeps repeating the same mistakes? You correct him, you correct the person again and again, but the person keeps repeating the same mistakes. Do you love the person? Do you hit a hammer on his or her head? What if somehow, <clears throat> for somehow, the, person's the person begins uh, to show some sign of improvement, but not enough to warrant a complete change anytime soon? Do you throw in the towel on the person or on the whole endeavor of correction? Do you do that? 
And on the road to, Damas to Emmaus, not to Damascus, I sometimes get, so if you happen to hear I'm talking with Damascus, please know that I'm talking about Emmaus, really. Uh, that's what I mean. So on the road to Emmaus story is a story that mirrors Jesus' experience with his disciples who are slow learners. As a teacher, a prophet, who had come from God, full of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Jesus came to teach the people the ways of his father so that they turn away from their evil deeds and live. His teachings were admired by everyone, including some teachers of the law who secretly admired him but we were afraid of chief priests and rulers. Yet, time and time again, his disciples never understood the teachings, or even when they understood them, uh, like a seed that fell on the rock, the teachings get in, stayed for a while, and then disappears. It never had root never had root, uh, sprang deep. They quickly forgot. As a great teacher, he used effective deductive methods. In his teaching, he used illustrations, he used the parables, he asked so many questions, provocative questions. He coached them and gave them the opportunity to do what he was doing, healing the sick, casting out demons, and preach about the, the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He used also signs and wonders. All these were meant also to reveal who he was in relation, who he was and who he is, in relation to his father who had sent him, yet, Time and time again, the gospel depicts uh, them as people who don't understand, who understands, who understand but forget, who gave the wrong answers, and who failed in their assignment respectively. But it was the sign of the death and the resurrection of Jesus that in Jesus' mind, was to be the ultimate sign that would finally open their eyes and their minds <clears throat> to fully understand and never forget. But did they? Did they believe? Did they? Did they? Did they quickly understand? Sadly not, they doubted that he rose from the dead. The sign of resurrection, though it's the ultimate one, fell flat on the face of Jesus' disciples. And all the gospels talk about this scandal. 
they talk about this disappointing and frustrating experience. Mark summarizes it uh, while Luke and John take a great deal to expand on it. Mark, uh, Matthew, for example, he simply says, when they saw, those are the disciples, most likely the, the 11 disciples, when they saw him, some believed and others doubted. So let's, let's look at uh, how uh, uh, Mark summarizes uh, this. Uh, Mark chapter 16, uh, verse 9 to 14. Mark chapter 16, 9 to 14. <clears throat> if you are there, say amen. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been, had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe him. Believe it. 30, 12. After Jesus appeared in different form to two of them while they were walking in the country, and I think this is where uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, expands more. Mark is here sub summarizing, uh, and here he didn't get into details. So these two people, when uh, Jesus appeared to them, in the form, uh, I mean, to two, while they were walking in, in, the, in the country, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn, stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after <clears throat> he had risen. So when you read uh, the Gospels very carefully, you and I realize that in just lesser than 72 hours, when Jesus showed himself, from the grave, people couldn't recognize him. Let me give you an example. Mary Magdalene, she thought that when she saw Jesus, she had gone to the tomb. When she saw Jesus, she thought he was a gardener. The two persons walking on the road to Damascus, they thought Jesus was a stranger or a, fail, a, for, a foreigner, oblivion of what was happening in the Roman Empire or political affairs. The 11 disciples thought he was a ghost. It's interesting to see that, again, this, the 12 disciples 
thought Jesus was a ghost for the second time. What is going on here? Because the first time was when he was walking, Jesus was walking on the water. But this time around, Jesus appears to them where they are, and they got afraid. And Jesus said, peace be with you. They, still, they were still afraid, and they thought he was a ghost. The resurrection experience is scandalous. And it's embarrassing, to say the least. This is a serious infirmity, do you believe? So how is Jesus going to deal with these people? How is he going to deal with this great infirmity? Is he going to quit in defeat? Is he going to give up on them? Is he going to hit the hammer in their head so that they can understand. I suggest on the fast, is going, Jesus going to quit and, def and in, in defeat? The answer is no. But I do suggest on the second part that Jesus, that if Jesus is going to hit them with the hammer, yes. I suggest that he's going to hit them, but I suggest that this is a different kind of a hammer, amen? So Jesus will hit their unbelief that is in the head with a kind of different hammer, with a kind of what? This is what, but okay, that's what he will do. He will not only hit the unbelief in the, in the head, but he will also burn their hearts. Let's see what Jeremiah says. And we're seeing this is a fulfillment in the time. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. The Bible says, Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces, declares the Lord. So this is being fulfilled here as we read um, this story of Jesus meeting people, these two people, persons on the road to Damascus. Um, and just, if you are there, chapter 24, Luke chapter 24. Let's start from verse 25, I mean, um, 25 to 27, then we read verses 30 to 32. How did Jesus relate or respond to this infirmity of unbelief? We see on verse 25, how foolish are you? And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not, did not the Christ uh, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Verses. 30. When he was at the table with them, 
He took bread, gave them thanks, broke it, and gave to, uh, and, get, and uh, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked themselves, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he, was, um, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus patiently takes his slow followers into what the prophets have spoken. That's what we're seeing. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as a result of them hearing the word, the two persons, Cleophas, the other name is not mentioned. But as we will see, it's for a very reason. There is a reason why that is, is not mentioned. So these two people explained, we're not our hearts burning with, within us while he was talking with us in, on the road, um, on the road, and opened the scriptures to us. Yes, they were burning. And as a result of Jesus expanding on the word to them, they believed. They finally believed. Went. Why do we believe that they believed? Is because they went to testify to the 11 disciples. It's true. The Lord has risen. I expected to say he's risen indeed. Amen. <clears throat> or maybe I have sent some people somewhere. The story of Jesus and his slow learners, his disciples, is our own story today, too. Notice that the other name of the two persons is not mentioned. Uh, that, that's a reason why this story is ours. And it's not accidental why it's not mentioned. It was so that you and me and I will feel your name there. Amen? You will feel there. If you are honest, you will feel that name. That you are in the road, oblivion of what is going, that Jesus is next to you, and you don't know what is going on. It takes too long to, to get to know Jesus is next to you. Yeah. Notice also that the other reason why this story is ours. Notice that the place Emmaus has not been situated somewhere in the Middle East. Nowhere you can find it. They try to find it, but they can't um, confidently say, the way you can say, oh, you know, the temple was right here. The name of Emmaus has not been situated on the map because you and I, can feel in different places where we come from. We come from different places, aren't we? We just came from uh, Africa the other day. 
others from Aragon, <laughs> others from here, and so on and so forth. Others from different backgrounds, right? But that's not even the main, the main reason this story is ours. So I suggest the eminent one. I believe that we own the story because we are not different from the first disciples of Jesus. We are slow learners. We are faithless. We are doubters. We misrepresent Jesus. Yet, yet, there is good news. There is good news. Jesus hasn't given on them. So Jesus give up on you either. He won't. Jesus is merciful. He's slow to anger and rich in mercies. The suffering servant, our Messiah, Jesus, did bear this type of infirmity. They are belief, slowness, and alliance, so that we don't have to carry the heavy weight of shame and the guilty in our, in our hearts and minds because we are failing to catch the teaching because we fail to do the assignment well. Hallelujah. Let me repeat this. The good news for me is that Jesus, recognizing my infirmities, he deliberately chose to identify with my weaknesses and take it and made it his own. Then I'm free. That's the gospel. Jesus wants us to be quick, that's true. He wants us to be quick to understand, and he wants us to be strong, to have a strong belief in him and in his Father. But he is aware that this is a redemptive journey that is not going to get finished tonight, that will be completed once he knows that that only will be completed once he returns back. Unlike the two persons Jesus met, that he met, that he met in the story, he doesn't wish you uh, to have your face downcast because you have failed. That, that's not what he, he wants. He doesn't want. He does want you to live he doesn't want you to live uh, and to live to doubt that he is the one your life needs. He doesn't want that. He wants to know. He really wants, he desires. He desires to just fully embrace it, that, that truth that he is risen, that he is the Messiah, that he is the ultimate person you need or desires that you need. He, that's, his, that's why he makes him not to abandon me. That's his motivation. 
But even more, even more appealing is that Jesus wants to learn from him. Amen? He wants us to learn from him. Yes, he wants us to, to be quick, to learn, but he also wants us to learn, uh, to learn from him, to learn his patience with you. He wants that patience that you've, you've seen in him, this good news we have proclaimed this morning, that should be replicated to others. And this is the question to all of us here. How patient are we with our fellow slow learners? How much, how much patient are we with others? So how much we are patient with others shows how much we truly love them. It's not a surprise that Jesus, knowing well the infirmities of his disciples, he know he has walked alongside all this time around three, three years, Jesus knowing all that, all their infirmities, he gave this, them this last command, love one another. This is a command given to who? Slow learners. But he did that because he knows he has lit the fire, and his fire will never be distinguished. He, Jesus cannot say something he knows will never happen. I just thank God that I can. When we came here, we, we have felt the love of Christ, amen? And not because you knew we were perfect. I also believe we are not perfect. I think that's a fair judgment. But the truth is there. Ah, we felt loved. We feel loved. So Jesus said, love one another, although you are, you have deformities, right? So it's easy to love, to love someone when things go according to what we have programmed. Um, it's easy, it's easy to do that. But that's love is impartial love, complete love. The Bible says, complete love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude either. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable, irritatable, I think, irritatable or resentful. It does not rejoice <clears throat> at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. That's the road Christ is telling us to take, and the route he's willing 
to journey with us. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a gift to us. We acknowledge our infirmities, but we acknowledge even greater love, the answer you have been to our infirmities. Thank you that following you does not bring guilt in us, create great in us, or shame. It gives us freedom to walk with you, knowing that you love us and that you are empowering us. Soon and very soon, Lord, although we cannot walk well, we start proclaiming that you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Because you have chosen to empower us with yourself. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.